So we have spent the last several months now uh, walking through the Apostles' Creed. We have spent this whole time looking at this body of core beliefs, this core um, theology, this, this story that binds us together as a community of disciples. This statement that we say every week that unites us. And now our goal as we, as the elders, we've been praying about where to go next. First Timothy, is, as uh, Tim said there, is, <clears throat> is very much about how you take those beliefs that we believe and you put them into action. It is a very practical book about how to live out the implications of those things that we believe. This letter is, is very much how to apply what we what we've been learning this last several months. And before we dive into this book, we thought it was really important to sort of set the stage for what exactly we're reading and what it is. Um, so our, our verse for this morning is, is very simple. It's, it's, it's really, it's just uh, Paul addressing and the open, opening pleasantries of a letter, a personal letter Anybody actually, does anybody actually write letters anymore? <laughs> like not an email and an actual letter? There's some of you. Um, I cannot remember the last time I actually wrote a letter. Um, I was thinking, though, when Naomi and I started dating, we were in high school, we were young, and uh, we didn't write letters, but we wrote notes to each other. We didn't go to the same school, but in youth group, I think we'd pass notes. <laughs> And uh, at some point, I seem to remember her finding a old shoebox that she had with a bunch of our old notes. And it would be extremely hard for somebody to just find those notes and understand what we were talking about or what was going on. You would have, without having the context of what was going on and where we were, where we were, it would be really hard to just pick up a letter that somebody else wrote to somebody else and understand what was happening there. And that's really what we have going on in this letter. We have a personal letter written by Paul to Timothy. And without knowing some of the backstory and some of the context of what's going on, it's hard to just jump into this letter and know what's happening. It won't make sense the way it's supposed to without first understanding some of the backstory. It's worth noting, too, as a letter, you don't typically, if somebody sends you a letter, you're not going to like read two sentences and then put it down and like, I'm going to come back in, in a week and pick it up and read two more sentences. Right? You, you read through the whole letter. And this being a letter, all of these New Testament letters were intended to be read start to finish. So it's good practice. I encourage you this week, take a couple times, it's, it's really short, and read First Timothy from start to finish, just all the way through. And you'll begin to notice things that you don't when you just pick it up for devotional reading or a couple verses here and there. You'll begin to notice there's like an arc to the way, I mean, a lot of what Tim's talking about, there's these poems that are used to link the whole story, uh, the, whole, the whole letter. It's meant to be read in one sitting. So we're going to take it and we're going to break it up into 13 plus weeks. But 
Um, of the letters that Paul wrote, this is unique. I mean, there's, there's a few other letters that are like this, but this one is personal. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, these are, these are letters that were written to individuals. Paul, his other letters are typically written to churches or to groups of churches. Uh, but this letter and the other ones that I just mentioned, uh, are there's four of them in the New Testament from Paul. Personal letters that are written to individuals. We call Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and Titus the pastoral epistles. You guys ever heard that? Yeah? Pastoral? That's because they're dealing with leaders of churches and there's pastoral issues. And so I think often, actually, people look over these books as if they're like handbooks for us that are in ministry. <laughs> or they're pastoral handbooks. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're actually really good for us. So my goal today is to take a bird's eye view of what's going on here. We're going to look at who is Timothy, why is Paul writing him a letter, and why should you read that letter? And ultimately, then that boils down to the question of what does that mean for us? What do we do with that now? Paul, Paul is a fascinating character study. He is interesting. We meet Paul. We're going to do a little bit of history. Is that okay? Backstory? Yeah? Okay. We meet Paul in Acts 9. That's where we come, come and we meet Paul for the first time. He, at this point, he's terrorizing the church. He is persecuting the church. Paul was zealous and very aggressive uh, for his faith. The way Paul describes it in Philippians chapter 3 is this. Um, Philippians 3, I'm going to start halfway through verse 4. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I am more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul meant business. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was busy persecuting the church. In his mind, this new thing that was developing in the early church had to be stopped because it was perverting the truth of the scriptures as he saw it. And so he wanted to preserve the true nature of his faith. He was a devout man. He was not playing around. But in a dramatic turn of events, Paul has this encounter. He has this encounter with the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus while he's on a journey ultimately to go and persecute more Christians. And in a moment, everything changes. This persecutor of Christians is now a disciple of Jesus. He surrenders everything to him. I'm sure many of us have stories like this. We were going one way, Jesus comes into our story, and now we're going another way. The things and the, the motivations, the driving force behind everything that we are doing changes in a moment when you meet Jesus. So Paul surrenders his life. He, he lays down what he wants to do 
completely to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus. The man that once traveled around persecuting Christians would now travel as a missionary to spread the Christian faith. I'm abbreviating this story. Read Acts if you want more of it. From around AD 48 to AD 56, Paul goes on three missionary journeys. He would travel over 10,000 miles, mostly on foot, to preach the gospel. We have all of this recorded in Acts. You can read it. Around AD 57, Paul ends up getting in some trouble with the governing authorities, and it takes a few years, but eventually he lands in Rome in AD 60, uh, and he's essentially on house arrest until AD 62. He's, he's allowed some freedoms, but he's, he's under arrest. And that's pretty much where Acts leaves the story. But apparently, Paul continues to travel for a season after this. Church history says that it's probable that he got released, and from about A.D. 62 to A.D. 67, he has relative freedom, and he travels around, he, where he reunites with Timothy and Titus. This is probably when he writes these letters, 1 Timothy and Titus. Ultimately, he will get arrested again, and he'll end up in prison this time, in a pretty dark prison, where he will write 2 Timothy. And you can tell the tone of 2 Timothy is different. He is, at this point, it's probably the last letter Paul wrote, and he is, it's different. His tone is, is more somber, and uh, you could tell it's, it's one of his last that he's writing. So that's a rough timeline for Paul. But the question I think that applies to this book is, who is Timothy? And why did Paul write him a letter? Timothy was from Lystra. His name means one who honors God. He likely probably came to faith on Paul's first missionary journey, which we can read about in Acts 14. It's a fascinating story, actually, where Paul and Barnabas, who's traveling with him, are thought to be Zeus and Hermes, and they're going to come and, and give offerings to them, and they have to, no, 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 <laughs> not no, this is not how what you think it is. Um, that's fascinating. But it's probable that that's where Timothy comes to faith, on that journey that Paul, when he goes through Lystra. And on Paul's second missionary journey, he invites Timothy to join him. He invites Timothy to come with him as he continues the mission. Let's read this. Acts chapter 16, 1 through 3. Paul also, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were there who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. All right. Timothy was probably, best guess here, 15 or 16. He's a young man at this point. 
He's a disciple of Jesus. He's a young man. He's well spoken of by others. So he, Paul comes back through, and apparently the other disciples are uh, they're pretty stoked on this guy, Timothy. They're, they're talking him up. He's already living out an example of what it is to live out the gospel. Timothy was from a mixed family with a Greek father. That's, that's sort of Greek there. It could mean like any non-Jew. We don't know much about his father. He, a Jewish mother. Um, and we know from 2 Timothy that he was taught the scriptures, the, the Hebrew scriptures, from a young age from his grandmother and his mother. We don't really know much else about Timothy's background except that that he was taught the scriptures by his grandmother and his mother from a young age and that he had a Greek father. Scripture seems to imply that his father was probably not involved. Some scholars actually think it's possible that he, was, he had died at this point. But what we do know is that Timothy, a young man, a young Christian was already living as an example of the gospel. And Paul sees in Timothy a unique calling in his ministry, a calling uh, in his life to ministry. So Paul invites him to join him on his journey. Paul invites him to join with his group and to preach the gospel. I spent some time this week just thinking, it just some of this reminds me so much of, of my story I was early teens, we're talking a lot about my high school days, but I was early teens when I felt a very clear calling to ministry. And it was in that time when somebody took me under their wing and discipled me and taught me the ropes in ministry, I began an internship with the church and uh, just fascinating thinking through that. I was fortunate to have somebody like Paul to take me in under their wing and to teach me um, the ways of ministry. So Timothy becomes one of Paul's most trusted friends, one of his most loyal companions. Paul mentions him 22 times in his other letters. That's a pretty important person to land in Paul's other letters 22 times. This is how Paul talks about him again in Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 24. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that, I, uh, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him to you soon, as I see how, as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Paul loves Timothy. He calls him his beloved and faithful son his fellow worker in the gospel. And as a son to him, he became one of Paul's most trusted 
and enduring companions. He followed him closely. He shared his point of view. He could articulate uh, what Paul was thinking. He could he could articulate how Paul would correct and direct a church. He knew what Paul would would think and do because he spent time traveling with him. Paul ultimately would entrust Timothy with assignments to Thessalonica, to Corinth, and to Philippi. He'd send him on assignments to three diff- these three different churches. There's a lot of history, you guys okay? Okay. Timothy is listed as co-author and collaborator on six of Paul's letters. So in your Bible, in the New Testament, six of the letters, Timothy, this, this person who we're reading this letter that's written to, actually collaborated in writing. He was involved. And in this letter, where we come today, and, and for this next series, Timothy is once again on an assignment by Paul, this time probably his most difficult. He is at Ephesus. Paul has sent him to Ephesus apparently to stop some false teachers who were in the process of undoing the church as a viable Christian alternative for the city. Paul had spent a long time in Ephesus. He had devoted a lot of energy to this church, and there were false teachers coming in that were destroying the reputation of the church, and Paul was concerned, so he sends Timothy. Often people, I mean, if you ask people about Timothy, they will often think that he's somewhat sickly, kind of timid, lacking boldness, right? I'm not entirely convinced. That's possible. But from what we have, I'm not entirely convinced. He apparently took on three other previous assignments, Thessalonica and Corinth, those two probably alone. That takes courage. That takes some boldness. While he probably was young by the standards of that day, at this point, when when Paul's writing 1 Timothy, he's probably in his early 30s, by the way the timeline goes. He's not necessarily a, a, a timid teenager at this point. I think Paul's reassuring of him in this letter and in 2 Timothy Uh, I think it actually has to do with the magnitude of the difficulty that he's dealing with. There is entrenched beliefs and habits and false teachers that Timothy is confronting, and it's hard work. I think that has a little bit more to do with it. All that history, (laughs) you need to know some of that history to properly be able to understand Timothy. And it brings us to why. Why did Paul write this letter? I mean, we know there's the, there's the false teaching happening, but Paul, in a way, only he does, he tells us why. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 16, Paul tells us why he's writing him. He said, I hope to come to you soon, But I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. 
That is why Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. He's writing this letter to Timothy so that he would know and so that the people in the church that he's leading would know how they should behave in the household of God, in the church. We talked several weeks ago, we talked about the different analogies and and, and, uh, descriptions of the church. This is one of those, the household of God. So he's writing so to, to help Timothy know how to lead a church to live out its true identity. It was apparently not living out the implications of the gospel. The church, I think this is even for our church, the church is called to behave as the household of God. That's kind of our theme running through this whole book as we go through this. What does it look like to behave as the household of God? which Paul says is a pillar and a buttress or a foundation of truth. The church is a pillar and a foundation of truth. We are the household of God. This, we are a family. That's what this letter is all about. That's what Paul is writing for. And now, this is, this is the thing, now that we are a family, now that the church lives as a family, and it's a mixed bag, how are we supposed to behave as a family? How are we supposed to behave in this household? We, we, I was thinking about this. When you go over to someone's house for the first time, there's sort of those unspoken household rules, right? Do you take your shoes off? Do you leave them on? Right? Uh, do you eat at the dining table only, or can you go in the living room with your food? There's these like unspoken household rules. Anybody? No? Yeah? Every, every household has these different rules. Some, some people laugh. Like when they come over to our house, our dog will sit with his head right on the front step. And he's not allowed in the house. But he will like just sit there and stare at us <laughs> like, I'm here. But he's not allowed in. It's just one of our... One of our rules. He comes in if it gets cold. He's getting he's getting old, but um, which is why he sits there and begs because he knows if if it's cold or he's uncomfortable, will be nice. Every household has a different set of rules and a way they do things. That's just how it works. A different set of orders and expectations. And the church is no different. And the church uh, and what is happening in Ephesus is that people. From within the family, these are, this is a threat from within, are distorting and changing the rules. They're playing with the, the narrative and distorting the rules. And so Paul wants to correct that. And he wants to reset the standards of what it is to live together as a community. All right, so that's a lot of backstory. It's really important as we study this, though, that we have some of that backstory. But ultimately, I do want to spend a couple minutes and just look at these two verses. I know it's just, a, it's just the introduction, but I do want to spend a few minutes and look at these verses because I think there is something for us even in as simple as these two verses are. So let's read these real quick. I think it will go on the screen. 1 Timothy 1, 1 and 2. Paul, 
an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Two really simple, straightforward verses. These are verses that you pass over quickly as you're reading typically. Right? Am I the only one? <laughs> These would be verses. Yeah, okay. Let's get past the pleasantries. Let's get into the meat of the book here. Paul identifies himself as an apostle. That word apostle, it means a sent one. I like to I think of an apostle as this... Uh, li- the best description I've heard is a lead ship in an armada of ships that's sent to colonize a, a place. Leader in an armada of ships that's sent on a mission to colonize a place. That's, that's the best way I can think of apostle. This is, Paul is a sent one. He's commissioned by God. He's an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah, by the command of God, the Savior, and of Jesus, the Messiah, who is our only hope. And then he says, to Timothy, his true child in the faith. The faith is, a, is a, another little set of words that's important through the New Testament. The faith will become the standard way of talking about the whole body of Christian teaching. The faith. Paul says that Timothy is his true child in the faith. And I believe this is the gospel. This is the story of the gospel for us. Timothy, the boy who grew up in a broken home, raised by his grandma and his mom in a split broken home, he's brought into a family. He's adopted into a family, the household of God, And Paul calls him his son. This is the way of our faith. This is the way it works. Is that when we submit to the lordship and leadership of Jesus, we are brought into a family. We are brought into a community, a family. We are not left to figure things out on our own. We're not left to our own devices and our own efforts and our own ability to sort this thing out. We are brought into a family. And so my encouragement today, this week, as you go and you read this a couple times, and as you think through what Paul is doing here in writing this letter, Lean into your family as the church. Lean into the church as family. If you're established in your faith, this should be a challenge to you. Find someone to pour into. If you have years behind you in your faith, or even months, find somebody with less and pour into them. We are to live as the household of God. You are called to be a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus, who is at the work of making disciples. That's all of our calling, not just ours as elders. And all of that happens, that disciple-making, happens in the context of this growing and complicated and mixed-bag family. 
from different backgrounds, different worldviews, different politics, different views on the, the hot topic things of the day, masks or meeting outside or whatever. All the things. It's a mixed bag, but we are a family. And so we find a way to pursue each other with the gospel, to lead each other into discipleship and to further submission. We bring all of those things, the worldviews, your, your background, your history, your upbringing, your politics, all of it, you bring it all into submission to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus, to our Father. None of those things define you if you are a Christian. What defines you is the family you belong to. That we are children of the Father. We are adopted into a family. We are a family that I think, as Paul says here, we are marked by these things that he lays out. Grace, mercy, peace. That is the, the defining marks of us as a family. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are, as a community, to be spirit-led Jesus followers, recognizing that we are imperfect people, and we are working with other imperfect people to serve a perfect Messiah, And when we love and give to one another as a family, then we grow as individuals and as a family. Amen? I'm going to pray and worship can come back up. But we're going to, this is going to take us at least 13 weeks. We're going to go through this book. And there's some pretty uh, (laughs) controversial topics in here. We'll spend some time. It's going to be really fun. I do encourage you this week, Read it a few times. I think you'll see um, even some of the controversial passages in here. When you read it in its full context, I think it helps put things in place. Amen? I'm going to pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for your word. God, I thank you that we have this text, we have the Bible, that you chose to speak in a way and through a culture and through a time where things were written. And God, I pray that you would give us the ability to see the narrative behind this letter, that over the next several months as we study this book, that you would speak to us, that you would knit us together, that the things that we believe, the things that we Uh, that we say that we come under in the Apostles' Creed, that they would be lived out through the teachings of this letter. Jesus, we, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.